0: Hi FM tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose. Stephen Ambrose. Well, good morning and welcome to another Tech Talk right here on Hi FM. And unfortunately, I'm not in the studio today. I'm having to do it remotely because I am assisting MTN with the Women in ICT Awards, which are going to be presented, uh, end of the month, end of August in, at a pretty fantastic affair, I hear. Unfortunately, I'll be out of the country as well, so I will be at IFA in Germany, and I will be actually bringing you Tech Talk next week from IFA live from Berlin with having seen, actually, uh, the the show actually only starts on the 31st, but um, there will be all the press days before, so come next Thursday morning, I should have a whole host of interesting stuff to discuss and to share with Um, all you guys out there uh, with regard to the latest tech there's Samsung announcements there's LG announcements, there's a whole host of really interesting stuff coming from Ether because it is the biggest European tech show and more and more they're becoming not just household gadgets, although there's lots of those you know, Miele, Siemens AEG, Bosch obviously LG and Samsung all the guys who make home appliances will be there along with Philips and a lot of a whole host of others, and a lot of them are talking about smart homes and smart appliances. So all the latest and greatest from Europe, where things are actually doing quite well, never mind uh, the politics of Brexit. Europe is humming along, and their consumer electronics is doing really, really, really well. But more about that next week. But for this week, the news of the week, something I discussed briefly on the Morning Drive show, is that Amazon are opening up new points of presence in South Africa. And for all of us out there, those of you who listened would understand, but those of you who knew and tuned in just to listen to this program on a Thursday, Amazon are well-known globally for their online retail. Started off with books, then they'll end up with CDs, and now pretty much absolutely anything and everything – to the point that online shopping in the U.S. and many countries around the world has fundamentally changed the way that you and I shop, the way we spend our money, the things that we do. And even in South Africa, the online shopping environment is growing really quickly. More and more goods and services are available online from house cleaning cleaning to pet food. You name it, you can buy it online, have it conveniently delivered to your door when you're not around. And um, you don't have to spend your weekends sort of trawling the malls trying to find what you need. So it really has fundamentally changed things. But what people don't understand and what most people I speak to don't realize is that Amazon actually is one of the world's largest technology companies. And in developing their platforms and systems for their online retailer, they came up with something which they call the Amazon Web Services And here's where the link gets really interesting. Amazon Web Services has partly, or in a good part, been developed in Cape Town by a little subsidiary they had down there. And that subsidiary is growing really, really, really quickly. But what Amazon Web Services does, it offers big companies, small companies, massive global corporations the ability to have access to computing power servers, and all sorts of platforms that normally you would have to spend tens, if not hundreds of millions of rands worth on data centers globally. And Amazon are making these available through their massive, massive, they call them hyperscale data centers. They're making them available for um, anybody to use at a really, really moderate price. So if you're a small startup and you want to just host your app or your product, on on the web for want of a better word uh, Amazon web services can do that now obviously Microsoft have also been doing this for years and the two of them are head-to-head rivals though Amazon actually has a bigger footprint than Microsoft but here's the challenge that any developer or any person having an app or a product in South Africa will always have if the data center is sitting in Denver Colorado or Finland or Hong Kong or wherever it is, it takes a physical time for the data from your phone, from your PC to actually reach those data centers and come back. And in the worst case scenario, that could be as long as half a second. So imagine you create this fabulous app, you want to do something, and every time a guy pushes yes or no or wants a response, he's got to wait half a second um, to get a response. The app becomes unusable. And in many ways, this is a huge problem. Africa has had a real problem with that and still has a problem with that. But Amazon have realized that by bringing their points of presence, by bringing the Internet essentially to Africa in many, many respects, it changes the whole equation. And if they want to sell their services, they want to deal with companies and entrepreneurs and startups on that level, they need to have a point of presence. So what has happened, both Microsoft and Amazon have set up direct points of presence with servers which connect to the global network right here in Johannesburg and Cape Town. And what that means for anybody using any service that is set up using the AWS or Amazon Web Services or Microsoft Azure, as they call it, they will get instant response. You push enter, instantly they'll get a response back from a server that's very local, a couple of miles, if not a hundred, couple of hundred miles away rather than a couple of hundred thousand miles away. And that's a big, big, big deal. I do believe, and in fact, I hear that um, Amazon are hiring. They're going moving into a new building in Cape Town. And they really do see growth in Africa because the internet and cloud services is no longer something that only big companies can afford. A small corporation with two or three people, but with heavy processing needs, like insurance companies, why go and spend millions of rands on on hardware that sits in the basement, needs people to run it, needs systems and needs electricity and air conditioning, and you name it. Why put up a data center when Amazon can do it cheaper, far cheaper, and actually, no matter what, far better? You don't have to worry about updates. You don't have to worry about patches. You don't have to worry about downtown downtime, not downtown, downtime, because they promise you you will have 99.99999% uptime. And uh, in fact, quite honestly, our home affairs people should use them because they're always down. Every time you want to go and get your passport, they tell you, oh, no, the system's unavailable. Or you want to go do something with your fingerprint, the system's unavailable. Well, they should use Amazon or one of these services because they're up 99.999% of the time. But essentially, that is what's going to happen over the next little while. So listen, watch this space. I think we're going to see more developments coming from Amazon. As well as as uh, Microsoft, their data centers are up and running in South Africa, and in fact, a very simple example of how well that works. If you've got Office three six five and you're using um, files that are sitting in the cloud, before when you clicked to download that file, because Windows ten pretends the files on your computer, but it may well not be. It might be in the cloud somewhere in a in a on a server. It now pops up much quicker than it did before because instead of that server sitting in Ireland or Germany or somewhere, it's sitting right here in Johannesburg or Cape Town. And wherever it's sitting, you will get it the quickest, shortest, fastest route. So you click on it and, pops if your Internet connection is decent, you have the file on your computer. You can work on it, save it, no problem. Anyway, moving on to another service, which is Taken a while to come to South Africa, and that is Samsung Pay. But I think we're going to have a, a quick break for our uh, quick commercial break now before I get into that, because I don't want I don't want to give a proper explanation of what Samsung Pay is, how safe it is, and what it means. So we'll take a quick break for uh, our adverts, and I'll be back straight after this. Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose, 11 to 12 p.m. only on 101.9 IFM. Well, welcome back. And as I was saying, a new payment platform called Samsung Pay has come to South Africa. And the question I get asked, is it like Zapper? Well, yes, it is. And no, it absolutely isn't. There are a lot of platforms uh, in South Africa where you can use a um, QR code and, you know, essentially some form of online payment using your smartphone. But this is way and... (laughs) in many ways completely different. Most of us today have a credit card or a debit card or some form of plastic payment uh, story. And it's just so much easier. It's safer than carrying around cash. It's quick and convenient. And it just pretty much is accepted anywhere and everywhere with no real hassle. The challenge that you've got is that your credit card is vulnerable. I've been hit with that this in the last month. We traveled somewhere, my wife and I, and suddenly, all of a sudden, I started getting these odd SMSs to say someone is using my credit card. Obviously, I canceled it, but that was over three, four weeks ago. And as of last night, they were still trying to use my credit card or the credit card that has been cancelled to do all sorts of online transactions. And the only way they were able to do that is because they had my physical card in their possession for a split second. They either read the magnetic strip or took a picture of the card, had the number, the front and the back. And they could try to use the card um, wherever you were. And it was definitely international. It was not a local thing because they were using the card in the weirdest, weirdest, strange places. But... There is a whole new platform and a whole new system that has been in use around the world for a long time. Apple Pay was one of the first using NFC, which is a touch, a type of tap and pay. Phones have got little NFC chips. So wherever you saw the NFC thing, you could load up Apple Pay on your phone. You could simply tap and away you go. Um, Samsung have taken it to uh, pretty much another level right now. They're available in 24 markets worldwide. And how the system really works, and that's extremely simple. You download an app on your Samsung phone. And right now, if you have any Samsung phone from the S6 upwards, um, I think the A5, the A8, and the A7 series with NFC um, is compatible. All you need to do is go to the app store, the Samsung app store, download the Samsung Pay app. And if you bank with Standard Bank or ABSA for now, more banks apparently are coming online as we speak. But if you have any credit card that's managed or handled by ABSA, so the, the BA card, um, Virgin money cards, a couple of other cards um, handled by ABSA will, are compatible. And all the cards handled and issued by um, Standard Bank are also compatible, both Visa and MasterCard. So you then use that card, you load it on your phone via the app, you just take a picture and then put in a few details, it'll verify that card, and then that card becomes available to be used at any speed point in the country, and this is what's so unique. Apple Pay uh, works only with NFC-enabled cards, so where tap to pay with your card would work, this um this Apple Pay would work. But if it was an old-fashioned one where they had to either plug your card in or swipe your card without tap-to-pay, it would not work at all. Well, Samsung have come up with a really, really clever little technical workaround. Your phone will emulate a swipe card. So, in other words, if you go up to a a store which doesn't have uh, a tap-to-pay terminal, all you need to do is touch the side of your phone to where you would swipe your magnetic card. And, boops, it would behave as if you had swiped your card. Now, again, a lot of people have said to me, is this safe? Because you've now got your credit card on your phone, and is it safe? Well, Samsung have a platform called Knox, which is their security platform. And you have to authenticate either using a pin or a fingerprint or a retinal and face scan in order to be able to um, – open the system to allow your card to transmit your details. Then the next thing that Samsung App Pay app does, it tokenizes your credit card. In other words, it creates an electronic token of your credit card and uses that to transmit the various details to the credit card company. Obviously, the credit card company knows it's you because the token identifies itself, but the merchant and the transmission of all the data between the place where you use your card or your your, your uh, phone and the credit card provider, be it MasterCard or Visa, will never, ever see your real credit card. And what I found using the Samsung Pay app, it creates a virtual card number. So if they want to know what your last four digits of your credit card is, you don't put in your real credit card. You put in the virtual credit card. It's on the screen. It's very easy to use. And you type those in. And off you go. So in many, many ways, it saved me many times. Ran to gym, left my wallet at home, needed to go to the shops to buy something, had my phone, my Samsung phone, simply swiped up, paid. At this stage, there's one little issue, which it does not work at Woolworths. Not because the system does not work, but Woolworths IT system does not allow those signals to go through for whatever reason. Um, They're probably working on it, and it will happen right now. But Samsung Pay is available now. You can download it and install it on your phone. Um, if you want to, you can see there's full explanation of how it works and where it works on bebrief.co.za. Look for Samsung Pay. But it's just a no-brainer. It's an, it's a, it, it's some until people get used to it. I found a couple of people are not comfortable with setting it up, so it takes a little bit longer and and your cards a bit. Faster, But basically, as people get grooved in, it's just a brilliant, easy to use, and this is what's so cool. It is a completely safe system. Rather than take your credit card out and have a chance um, to someone swiping it or picking the numbers or taking a photograph of it, because it's tokenized, because it's completely secure behind your fingerprint, behind your retina scan, behind your PIN, the chances of your card being stolen is far less than actually having a physical card. And all the other technical security arrangements around your physical credit card, which is loaded on the Samsung Pay app, um, are protected. So you never, ever share your actual credit card number with anybody. So it's really slick and smart. But because – and Samsung add another little brilliant wrinkle to all this – if you have a loyalty card that people swipe, so, for example, if you need to um, use your loyalty card, your discovery loyalty card at a garage for petrol or whatever the case may be, and you swipe that first and then you swipe with your credit card, you can actually load that loyalty card on the Samsung Pay app, tap it once for loyalty, swipe up, choose your credit card, and use that to pay. So I'm, I'm really super impressed. There is one limitation. It only works on Samsung phones for the moment. But being the largest cell phone provider on the market currently, that's not a huge challenge. There are a lot of people out there with Samsung phones and high-end Samsung phones. So I'd highly recommend you give it a shot. Down If you're with ABSA or or Standard Bank, unfortunately, F&B have got their own tap-to-pay solution. They're not on board as yet. And some of the smaller banks apparently are coming on board fairly, fairly soon. But if you're with one of those two banks, right now you can download the app on your phone, you can load up your credit card, you can load up your loyalty cards, and you can actually use your phone to pay for pretty much everything wherever you go. It's safe, it's secure, and it's brilliant that finally this technology has come to South Africa Whereas we've had lots of others, like QR codes where you, you know, there's the the zappers and the snap scans, which are great. I'm not knocking them. I think they're a wonderful initiative, but it adds another layer of complexity to the whole system. Whereas here it's actually using your credit card. You can do it with business cards. You can do it with personal cards. Wherever you physically could use your old credit, your standard plastic credit card, it can now be loaded. On um, your phone And you can touch to pay Or tap to pay Wherever you go It's just absolutely brilliant So look out for it um, You can you can download it on your phone You can get it And it's just a brilliant, brilliant way To keep your cards safe And keep them in your your bag You don't have to take your purse out You just use your phone to do pretty much everything and on that note, we are going to switch across to an interview I did earlier from a company called Adapt IT. Now, Adapt IT is a local company, they're South African-based, um, and they provide software solutions, mainly in the education, manufacturing, energy, which is fuel, and financial services sectors. They've just got really involved in hospitality, which is really interesting. And they employ a lot of people, but they are really going big. They've now grown to uh, – 10,000 customers in over 53 countries, mostly focused on Africa, but Australia and uh, the East as well. And uh, we have a lovely inter- interview with it with their group CEO Sabu Shavalala. Now Sabu um, has been running the show there for a while, and he's he's certainly taking the company places. And it's just fascinating to hear what his thoughts are around technology and where we're going. So we'll be back with that in Tech Talk Cafe straight after this. HiFM Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose. Stephen Ambrose. Well, welcome to Tech Talk Cafe right here on HiFM, and with me on the line um, is Spoo Shavalala, who is the CEO of a fairly large but not particularly well-known uh, IT company. Well, certainly not outside of the industry. Called Adapt IT. Welcome to the show, Spoo. Uh,
1: thank you, Stephen, and and thank you to your listeners. Give us a little sort of overview.
0: You've just reported your results for the end of June 2018. And although um, the results themselves appear to be pretty impressive, especially in the environment that we're operating in currently, um, I'd be more interested in your sort of view of what you're doing in South Africa, in Africa. And just you, you mentioned earlier when we spoke, you've got particular pillars that you want to, Know, look at over the next little while, and then we discussed uh, certainly where we are going in terms of technology going forward. So, just give us an overview quickly of, of where the group is and um, where you are going in the nearest future.
1: Yes, uh, you know, Adapt IT is, a, is a, a software company um, that uh, started out of uh, South Africa that has an, a pan African outlook. and and build software within the South African uh, market, test it within the market, and and obviously deploys it worldwide. Um, The the advent of of digitization uh, in the South African and African markets has led to really a high demand for for specialized solutions, and particularly in areas where adapt it has focused in uh, those being education, manufacturing, financial services, uh, energy, and hospitality. So, we look at, at those sectors. We build software that that automates uh, the, the sector and sell the software um, across Africa and uh, in targeted um, geographies around the world. But now that that is actually quite a
0: diverse portfolio of of uh, products and services. Do you find there's massive commonality at the base across these businesses or each, is each one pretty specific?
1: Well, there the, the is commonality in so far as um, the, the need for digitization in order for customers to ensure um, that their processes are efficient. So so I guess we, we utilize um, the same engineering skills uh, that we need to automate. but the, you know, our knowledge of the different sectors requires us to have uh, really deep industry experts and, and those are, uh, are the people that we, we, we employ who are, who are known for their expertise in the, in the sectors that I mentioned earlier. And they in turn help our customers uh, to assimilate what it is they need to do in order for them to have effective and efficient processes. Uh, and we turn that into software to ensure that uh, once uh, efficiencies have been established and processes have been have been improved, uh, those are maintained through the software that we, we provide.
0: And obviously, because you're dealing with, you know, from medium to large customers, you are working with the major vendors of ERP and other types of software out there at this stage. Is that not correct?
1: And it, well, it, it is it is correct. Uh, our business is a is a business to business, uh, and and we have uh, over ten thousand customers that we that we work with uh, in fifty three countries. Uh, so, so, so we we. Have our own intellectual property that we that we build off the platforms of 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 the major vendors like Microsoft. So we use a Microsoft platform to build our applications. We use an Oracle platform to build our applications as well as SAP to put templates uh, onto onto the that software in order for us to then build software that's relevant uh, to our customers.
0: So in many words, you guys are the the final tuning layer of of process automation on top of a whole lot of fairly standard industry supplied uh, solutions is that not a fair assumption? Uh,
1: it, it is it is somewhat correct, but but I guess uh, what we do have is our own intellectual property, which you would never uh, get generically. So so we you know the software that we build is. is is, is our own IP and, and therefore it is not something that you can get off the shelf. So it's
0: unique and it positions you well for 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 you know for the future because it's not something that other people are doing particularly in the markets in which you operate.
1: Certainly. Certainly. And your vision
0: going forward, I mean we, we're working in a world where digitization is becoming taken for granted if if you want a better word. Everybody is Pretty much down the path of of automating or digitising their their operations. Are you seeing the opportunity for growth across the territories in which you operate?
1: Um, yes, certainly. I, I guess you know the digitization trend um, is um, you know is upon us, and and, and industry four is is exactly about that. You know, the fourth industrial revolution mm. talks to talk to us uh, ensuring that we can digitize most of our manual processes that we used to do uh, in order for us, uh, you know, to, to at least use more of our intellectual capital rather than, rather than, uh, you know, the physical uh, manual processes that, that we do. So that, what that, that drives, uh, you know, the, the the requirement and the need for, for software. And therefore, um, we see that as a as a, as a high growth area, particularly in the Africa market, and as, as we know, the Africa market is it is at the back end of of uh, of digitization. However, it's digitising very fast because uh, uh, we we are leapfrogging. Um, you know, the the advent of of, of mobile uh, in the Africa market, you know, enables us not you know, the African market not to go through the whole process, but to to leapfrog. And the rest of the world and
0: society, how far? You, you actually make a very interesting point. In many ways, we can, you know, use the lessons learned elsewhere in the world and simply go to the latest and greatest of technology using the latest platforms and systems, which makes a lot of sense in the African context. But isn't there a, a challenge around the skills needed to both create and implement these systems in, in South Africa and Africa?
1: Well, I guess what we've seen um, from a skills availability perspective is um, when, I, when we look at, at IT employees um, over a thousand um, software software engineers. So, so, so we do have uh, you know the skills in the South African market. and, and actually across Africa there are, there are some specialized skills. And what we have to, however, do is, is harness that, that into, you know, utilize that intellectual property into uh, products that can add value to customers and that can be sold for cash.
0: Well, that makes a lot of sense. And has that been part of the formula for success over the past couple of years as well? You know, just the, the deep pockets of, of excellence and expertise that the company has acquired?
1: Uh, definitely, and I, I guess the, the reason why we we go for specialized and and uh, and the, the type of software and and the skills that we need is to ensure that we can extract margins. I mean, if you look at the margins that as IT we are extracting from our software and the sale of our software, we're looking at uh, 20% EBITDA margins, and that that's quite. Uh, good. Uh, I mean, it's, it's as good as, as any international market. Um, that's actually
0: that's actually very interesting. So obviously the cost base is fairly low, and your your ability to charge for unique services is is high, which is always a great position to be in.
1: Uh, yes, certainly, and and obviously the, our model, the model that we we use, is to ensure that whatever we build uh, for a customer. We can um, we can sell multiple times, and and that creates a high annuity uh, business. And our annuity is at around 50, 58%. So that's the repeatable work uh, that we do uh, on an ongoing basis is, is very high. So they, what that does is it creates real sustainability uh, for the business, and therefore we can retain the skills, uh, you know, in the long term. And you mentioned something about your
0: acquisition strategy. You have acquired a couple of companies recently, which must, you know, acquiring and integrating is always a challenge. But what industries and what, um, what have you got your eye on going forward? Where do you see sort of strategic investments making sense for the group as a whole?
1: Yes, I, I guess what, what we have focused on is um, to look at Growth sectors within the Africa environment, and as we know, Africa is educating at a very high at a very high pace. So education for us is a, is a growth sector. We we want to grow in that sector, and, and manufacturing, especially when it's linked with agri uh, with agriculture. So uh, you know, we, there's a lot of that uh, in, in in Africa. Um, hospitality um, and, and hospitality is linked to the, the you know the increase of Afri- African tourism. So financial services is also a, a you know a, a great area for us. So you know we have targeted currently uh, areas that are you know are delivering the highest growth in the Africa market. And um, but I guess going forward we are interested in healthcare, um, you know, to to get into into healthcare across Africa. So so you know. At any given time, as you said, we are looking at acquisitions, but if they're going to add and you know value in new sectors and bring the necessary skills that we that we need to excel in the, in the sectors that we're targeting
0: and from from a technology perspective, do you see or rather should I ask it the other way around uh, what do you see as the major sort of growth trends? With regard to the software business, I know people talk cloud and big data and things like that. But from your your perspective, you're dealing with tons of clients across the continent. What do you see the demand and the biggest growth being over the next couple of
1: years? Well, I, I guess as you have mentioned, the the advent of uh, of connectivity. So most most customers are, are now uh, connected and and uh, bandwidth is not is not a challenge so so software as a service uh, then is driven by the advent of, of connectivity in the african continent so so therefore software as a service is one area of growth and and i t is is really positioned to provide uh, software in a software as a service mode and um, in in that model that that we use uh, the second is uh, you know most customers are now looking to have more devices connected, so so if the Internet of Things (IoT) is becoming a, a real, um, a real advantage that companies um, want to have uh, to ensure that they can they can uh, ensure connectivity, get many data points, and analyze those data points to give them a, a business advantage. And then, and then the the last that we we, we are seeing is is really when customers start looking at. At, at, at the consolidation of of machine or of, of the Internet of Things, in order to have machine learning, the so machine learning is, is is the last element, and and what that does is it free, it also frees up skills so that uh, you can have bots uh, chatting to people on on, on sites, uh, you know you can have call centers, uh, you know the the you know the the menial tasks and, and the tasks that are repeatable, you can have those automated, and um, in order for for time to be saved and and so that that's where we see we see in growth and and we're doing a lot of R and D um, and as well as implementation in those in those three areas that I've mentioned.
0: Well, that's actually fascinating because you know there's obviously the general discussion around technology taking jobs away, automation taking jobs away, and at the same time uh, it sounds like you guys are finding ways to actually do what you do in, in, in creating systems that implement greater efficiencies in business and at the same time uh, grow the various businesses in in different manners
1: yes certainly I guess you know there, there always is a challenge um, where you know when you introduce a technology that uh, you know the, the initial the initial outlook is that uh, jobs will be taken away but what we always find is that uh, you know, once you've automated you can always utilize the skills uh, where they they need it you know the the, the, the human skills and because obviously computers and machines you know even though even though they can do most of the things that need to be done they still require um, you know human intervention and human to to, to lead, and, and therefore, you know, we, we, you know, we, we, we are expecting, uh, you know, the, the, you know, the changes to to affect human beings, but in a positive way.
0: Well, I'm very, very pleased to hear that. And the last question, really, is that where do you see ADAPT-IT in the the medium to long term? Are you going to chase further territories, or simply? you know, expand the areas in which you are are particularly strong at the moment?
1: Yes, uh, I guess as adapt it we set uh, some medium-term targets and those are uh, really growth targets uh, to ensure that we penetrate the the market to become a truly pan-African business and have our partner network across Africa. Uh, We also want to look at uh, being, uh, you know, providing our software internationally because we've seen the value of, of foreign currency, we've seen that also the value of of learning what what happens in 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 mature markets, and um, you know more than in the African market. So, so I guess we, you know, we will continue along this path and um, seeking to grow our business both organically and and look for strategic uh, acquisitions. Uh, since we already have a a, a successful listed platform, and um, what we want to do is just attract more businesses to to adopt IT that will, that will share that vision and, and help them grow.
0: Brilliant. Well, thank you so much for joining us and just giving us a little insight into a good news story of a company that's doing good work across South Africa and Africa and uh, we'll stay in touch and watch what transpires over the next year. Thank you for joining us on High FM. Thank you, Stephen. Take care. Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose, 11 to 12 p.m., only on 101.9 IFM. Well, welcome back. and Just an interesting story, and it's always a good thing to hear about companies that are really doing nicely, growing throughout Africa, taking every opportunity they can lay their hands on, and growing the South African ICT pie, because we are, as he, as, as Abu mentioned, we are fully into the digital economy. It's almost impossible to run a business today without the use of technology. More and more, as you get used to high-speed fiber, high-speed internet, high-speed mobiles, you start doing things, connecting to things that you you just take for granted. It becomes part of how you do your business. And uh, we need to grow that expertise in the country, and it will grow. I am more than confident that amongst All the companies, Adapt IT being one of them, there are so many companies in South Africa that are really on top of global trends. They know what's coming. And uh, the opportunity is pretty huge considering where we are and where we've been. And the growth potential of IT in Africa is just massive. Billions of people, yes, lots of challenges. But um, as Jack Ma said at the Alibaba chat in Johannesburg a week or so ago, is wherever there's a problem, or a challenge, that's where opportunity lies. And that's where you've got to go and solve problems for somebody. And IT is a wonderful tool for solving problems. Now, moving on to, again, my absolute favorite part of the show. I'm just unashamedly a gadget guy. And um, I went to the launch of a a really interesting product. Now, it is uh, an analog camera. Here we are, we're talking digital and fourth generation, fourth G this and 5G that and all tech. But here is something that is just so retro cool that it's, it's an absolute must. A company called Fuji. Now Fuji Film have been around in the, the camera aficionados for tons and tons of years. They're a Japanese con- company and they used to be pretty much in the film industry, but now they're actually much more diverse than that. They do medical imaging. They do all sorts of high-value volume printing. So you see cars running around with uh, skins on. They print that sort of stuff. So they're they're involved in a host of different products. But one product that they do amazingly, and they've always had a very big camera division, is their Instax camera. Now, the Instax camera is essentially a modern-day Polaroid camera. You don't have to shake it. You don't have to... uh, wait too long. But it's exactly like a Polaroid camera of old. You take a picture, it spits out a little card, and that card magically uh develops into a full color picture in front of your eyes, and you've got it for posterity. But they smart that way. It's not just uh the fact that um, you can take an instant picture. You can also save that picture on a SD card, and you can print it elsewhere. So they're digital and analog all in one. And the new SQ6 is a low cost, uh, camera. And I think it's just going to hit the right spot in terms of just something cool, something cool for the kids. They've gone for the new 4x4 format. So in other words, like Instagram. So it's, it's, it's this magic Instagram that comes out automatically on your, on your, um, on your hand, or in your hand, I should say. So they launched it yesterday. It's available now pretty much anywhere that you want, and it's going to be selling at round about 1,999, give or take. Check it out online. But it, it's just a cool little square instant camera, which looks very familiar. It's got a flash. It's pretty fast, I must say. I tried it for quite a few hours yesterday, took pictures in some challenging light, took pictures in some bright light. It's really quick. Very, very, very cool. It's even got a selfie mode with selfie cameras, (laughs) a little selfie mirror on the front, so you can take your own selfies with it. And um, it comes in three different colors, a blush gold. Gold seems to be quite the the thing in in tech today. A sort of graphite gray, which matches your MacBook gray, and a white, sort of pearl variant white, which is really, really, really cool. The films for the SQ6 come in 10 and 20 packs. And a 20-pack... Comes out, again, you've got to shop around, around about 200 grand, depending where you buy them, uh, of films. But it, it has really got a standard. It's easy to use. It's just point and shoot. It's got an automatic mode. It's got landscape, selfie, macro, and you can take two exposures, one on top of the other. It's very, very, very nice. The SQ10, which was the original one, and they mentioned something really interesting at the launch up to date, they've sold 30 million of these instant cameras globally. And they expect, because the SQ6 is just so well-priced, the quality is so good, it's so multifunctional in terms of what it can do, um, it, it's, they expect to sell somewhere around about 10 million of these this year alone. And what you can do is the, well, the, the difference between the SQ10 and the SQ6, one is the price. The SQ6 doesn't have a screen where you can preview a picture before you print it. Whereas the the SQ10 has a screen where you can preview the picture in digital mode. Um, So it is a digital camera, but the print is analog. Um, You can then preview the picture and then print it, but that is more expensive. The SQ6 is just a direct printing. You're going to have to watch your exposure uh, and watch your composition, I should say, a little bit closely. But I didn't find that a problem. I mean, generally, you take pictures of close-ups. It's not designed for taking pictures of scenery and whatnot, you can, but it's not the way it works. Um, but you can also get their so-called share SP3 printer, which allows you to print the images at this in the same sort of format from your uh from your smartphone. So it's just a a cool, really good quality uh picture, sort of analog picture. I'm I'm really impressed at how quickly the, the prints come out. And I think the whole look and the feel, the little squareness Is excellent. And it's, it's foolproof. You can give it to the kids to play with. I think anybody would have a lot of fun. It's pretty much like a portable photo booth. So it's great for parties. It's great for instant stuff. I mean, the problem with taking pictures on your phone is that how do you share them? They're not that personal. You can use them for greeting cards. I just, I just love the whole concept of taking pictures and keeping them and having them Pretty much instantly, it takes around about ninety seconds for the in, from the image to appear, and um, it's 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 clean and simple and very 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 easy. As I said, everything is pretty pretty easy to use. You open the back, you pop in the the cartridge with all the pack with all their little um, photo film, and off you go. It really doesn't need uh, a lot of work, a lot of effort. You can zoom a little. And it is very much a niche product. So, in summary, the Instax um, SQ6, I think it's well-priced considering what's going on um, with around. <laughs> we won't even mention that. The films are also reasonably priced. You can get them if you buy bulk. I think you can get them at a really good price. And it's just great for just general occasions. It, it's a talking point. Boy, does it get people around you to discuss uh, what's going on. The format is fantastic. And it's just an absolute pleasure to use and it just takes you back to the days of proper photography. You're not using your smartphone, you're not instantly Instagramming it. You can if you want down the road. But uh for the for the, the, the instance um generation that we've come up with, I think it's just such a cool, lovely piece of tech. You can – I've used them. People put magnets on the back and stuck them on for the family on the fridge. There's just so many ways you can use an actual lovely physical picture. Sometimes, you know, you get used to the fact that all your pictures are on a phone and it's easy to do. But it would be nice to have a physical picture you can either leave with someone or keep with someone. And I think the SQ6 is pretty much the only game in town. And it's just – Super cool. There is a slightly cheaper model that takes a slightly different picture. But if you're interested, check it out on the Fujifilm uh, website and look for the the Instax with an X, SQ6. I think you'll be really impressed with the quality and with the, the fun element. I think that's the key thing. It's great fun, takes great little pictures. And you can leave a little piece of you and your friends behind to remember. It's just brilliant. So on that note, um, we'll have a quick break now for our sponsors again, and I'll be back with my app of the week, which is a little app called Grammarly, which is really interesting. With Stephen Ambrose. <laughs> Stephen Ambrose. Well, welcome back. And after I've taken all these selfies and pictures with my Instax camera, which, again, I must tell you is just great fun. It's certainly uh, very different to using your high-resolution cell phone to take pictures. Uh, the next challenge, and something that I've been using quite a long time now, and it just struck me that I hadn't mentioned it on high, and that is a product called Grammarly. Now, I write for a living. I do reports. I write for magazines. I do a lot of writing in general for social media, and my week, my Achilles heel is my grammar and spelling my mind like races ahead, I type out sentences that are three pages long. I forget about commas and full stops and all those niceties, and also, I tend to get my fingers all fiddled on the on the keyboard and, and words might sound more or less right, but they're certainly not spelt well now Word and a lot of um you know programs that do writing have spell check built in, but it's pretty basic. And even the latest versions of Office 365 and and Word um, do have a a basic grammar checking. But I've been using a product called Grammarly. Now, it's not free. You have to pay for it on an annual or monthly subscription. But what it does, and this is where it's super clever, it has an add-in that you can add into your Office 365 or your standard Office um, deployment. And it will then do full grammar and spell check, and you can select it. It has massive... Power. You can say you need a, a formal style, you need a writing style. There are a lot of options in terms of how it goes through your work. It also does plagiarism checks for you people who are doing anything that needs to be checked in that regard. If you're at varsity, college, wherever, or if you just want to check an article is not plagiarized in any way. Um, and it, it works like an absolute charm. It works totally transparently. You simply right-click exactly as you would use a normal spell checker. And it, it does an amazing job at tightening up and cleaning up your writing. There's no end. But it has a couple of tricks that go even further. It works in your browser. So if you're doing websites and you want to work it in your browser, it works in a Chrome browser as an add-in. And it also works through Windows 10 throughout the the um the OS. So it works it works on Windows, it works on Mac. It works on browsers. It works on your OS itself. So if you use any of the other writing things, it picks it up and highlights it and fix it. Well, you fix it, but it can autocorrect certain things. So if you're looking for something that will really become a, a brilliant companion, if you do a lot of writing or you just want to keep your writing really sharp and make sure that the grammar Nazis out there don't send you nasty emails, this is just a wonderful program. As I said, I've been using it for a while. It is cloud-based. So unfortunately you need to be connected to the internet to get the full power of it. But other than that, it is just amazing at keeping your writing tight, keeping your, um, your punctuation and your grammar in, 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 in place and making sure that there aren't any terrible sort of typos and spells, spelling issues in, in even emails. So when you're typing an email in Word, or either online or in Outlook, it checks your spelling. It's just, very slick, very transparent and easy to use platform. And the best place to get it is something, is, is online. Well, in fact, the only place to get it is online via Grammarly with two M's. Got to spell that right. G-R-A-M-M-E-R-L-Y dot com. And have a look. I think if writing is part of your business, and in fact, it's part of everybody's business one way or the other. This is just a, a great add-on does cost there is a subscription unfortunately it 's not entirely free. they do have a, a slight free option, but it drives you mad with requests to upgrade to get full features but I think it's money well spent and it really does uh, make a huge difference to the quality and the accuracy of the the, the stuff that I write and on that note, um, we have to call it a day that 's another You know, interesting show and lots and lots of things on the go. As I said, next week I'm in Berlin for the annual IFA trade show. Well, it's not actually a trade show, the IFA tech show. Um, It is open to the public, so there will be somewhere around 500,000 of my closest friends wandering the halls. But luckily they have two or three press and media days and uh, industry days, which allow us to, you know, really engage with all the guys trying to sell stuff. And there's a lot of interesting new stuff coming out in the next couple of months, which will be highlighted at IFA. So if you want to know all about the latest gizmos, gadgets that are going to be available in the next couple of months, and most of them are coming to South Africa, I will tell you that, um, stay tuned. There's some really, really cool gizmos, gadgets, and stuff that I'm going to see. It's a lot of home, a lot of smart home, and a lot of really cool connected gadgets, and gizmos. And that's another Tech Talk show right here on HiveM. This is Stephen Ambrose for Tech Talk.